According to his promise, is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
Therefore, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
The readings of Holy Scripture for this Reformation Day observed the first lesson from the 14th chapter of Revelation, verses 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. second lesson from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, verses 19 through 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable unto God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. This is the word of the Lord.
respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. We remain standing for the creedal hymn and also for a mighty fortress is our God.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text this morning for this Reformation Sunday is from the epistle reading, Paul's letter to the Romans, the third chapter, these words. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. A righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is our text. Dear Christian friends, not long ago, a newspaper reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution sat down to interview a rising star of the hometown NBA basketball team, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Throughout the players' previous few seasons with the ball team, this young and this talented athlete had been tried by the coaching staff at various positions on the basketball floor and with mixed results. And so, the reporter inquiring about this experiment of sorts asked the player whether, for instance, he was more comfortable at the shooting guard position or at the point guard position, to which the young talent replied. He said, frankly, I think I'm at my best whenever the ball is in my hands, period. It's a rather self-confident statement. We might say a bit more than self-confident. But when it comes down to it, most of us do tend to like the ball in our own hands, don't we? We tend to trust ourselves, we tend to trust these hands of ours more than most others to get the job done and to get it done right. I suppose it's a bit ironic then that, well, no one knows who first made the statement. Near every one of us can identify and do and, and, and does identify with the statement that if you want something done right... You best do it yourself. And that's what we are. We're, we humans, we're a race of do-it-yourselfers. When we want the job done right, these hands of ours are the hands to do it right. And isn't that so often why we become the home improvement weekend warriors that we do? Because we want the job done right? Or is that not sometimes why those of us who are inclined and talented enough to do it some build their own computers or perhaps fix their own cars because we want the job done right. Ladies, isn't that why you'd rather not have us men wrap the gifts? Because you want the job done right. Isn't that why even when, when we hand the work over into the hands of another, even sometimes professionals, isn't, it, isn't that why still these hands of ours almost habitually, almost instinctively, double-check their work because ultimately when we want the job done right, we like the ball in our own hands. And we like to do it ourselves. And we might consider these hands of ours the very, very best hands to do so many things and to do them right. But the truth is that it doesn't take much to remind us how very inadequate these hands of ours really are when it comes to getting some things done. As we consider our hands, maybe we're reminded how inadequate they've been, or maybe they currently are, perhaps, in preventing a serious injury from befalling one of, one of your children or a loved one. Perhaps as we look at these hands of ours, we'll recall how helpless these hands are when it comes to holding on to our children until we're ready to let them go, of how incapable these hands are of keeping them small in a big warm embrace 
or how insufficient these hands of ours are in keeping our little ones sheltered forever and forever from the world and its ways. Well, maybe these hands of ours are the best to, to get some jobs done, but we know how little these hands are able to curb the pain that we see parents or grandparents suffering, a spouse suffering, for instance, and as hard as, as we might hold on to a spouse. Perhaps you know firsthand that these hands of ours can only do so much, and then it's frankly out of our hands, isn't it? These hands, these hands of ours, it doesn't take much for us to be reminded how very inadequate these hands of ours really are for so many things. Before God, before God, these hands of ours are even less adequate to get the job done. Before God, our own hands are so insufficient to set things right before God, to justify ourselves before God. And yet, by nature, we tend to think that they can. They can get the job done, and they can get it done right. That's exactly what Walter Carlson of Chicago's WNBI found out when he took his roving microphone to the Windy City's Union Station. And there asked the random commuter the question, how does a person get to heaven? How does a person go to heaven? In essence, asking the question, how is one justified? How is one put right before God? Well, for a half an hour straight, a steady stream of passers-by responded with such answers as all of the same sort, too. Obey the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be good to your neighbor, came back the response. Go to church, and go to church often. Do good things. Pay your bills. But you see, our instinct, and these responses are evidence of it, our instinct is to think that these hands, our own hands, the best hands, to justify us before God and to rectify our fallen situation. But Scripture reminds us how well beyond the reach of our own hands that job is. Because it reminds us just how mistake-free these hands of ours must be if these hands are going to do the job and they're going to get it done. Remember what the law, the divine requirements of God, remember what they dictate? Be perfect. It is written... Be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Again, it is written, whoever shall keep the law, whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one single point, is guilty of it all. Now, friends, you know, and so do I, that these hands of ours have not at all been perfect. You know... And so do I, despite any good intentions, you know and so do I that these hands of ours have been far less than faultless when it comes to dealing and handling the points of God's law. Should it surprise us then that we hear Paul say what he did today in the epistle reading? All have sinned and therefore we fall short of the glory of God. 
And even though it's undeniably true, the natural tendency to involve our hands in salvation's work is so strong that we don't and we won't easily hand over the work of salvation to God. Maybe we can't do it all, we suppose, but, but, but Lord, we can help, can't we? Home Depot theology, isn't that what it is? You know the current slogan of the hardware chain is, you can do it and we can help. It's Home Depot theology that says, Lord, you can do it, but we can help. We can do our part too, can't we? But friends, friends, if any of it, if any of the work of justification is in our own hands, from the lion's share to the littlest point, then ultimately it's all in our own hands. If any of it is up to you, then all of it is up to you. Now, as a young man, Martin Luther lived with the haunting uncertainty of having his standing before God, his justification before God, rest in his own hands. That's what the church of the day was teaching, sadly. As a young monk, he tried, desperately he tried to live life letter perfect, to dot every I and to cross every T. He tried to be perfect, to do perfect, to live perfect in every point. But you know, the tighter, the tighter he held on with his hands to the belief that he could, the looser in his hands the certainty became. Trying to justify yourself by the law. Do you know what Luther came to call that in time? The monster of uncertainty. The monster of uncertainty. And maybe you know the feeling. That uncertainty. For how, or rather for when do you know? And how do you know? And how can you know? When these hands of ours have done enough. To make satisfaction. When is enough enough? When can I be certain that these hands have done enough? Uncertainty. But friends, if we're asking that question, have I done enough? Have these hands of mine done enough? Then know this. That's the wrong question to ask. For the answer to that question is and always will be no. No. You haven't done enough. You can't do enough. You never will be able to do enough. Remember what Paul wrote in the epistle reading? For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. And so, friends, if we're asking the question, have I done enough? Then no, for certain, that's the wrong question to ask. The right question is not, have I done enough? But rather, has enough been done? Has enough been done? Because the answer to that question is and always will be a resounding yes. Yes, indeed, enough has been done, and Jesus Christ is the one who did it. In his hands. You see, in his hands, not in yours and not in mine, but in his hands. That's where the work of salvation belongs. 
And on this Reformation Sunday, not a single one of us should leave here today without being absolutely certain that that's exactly where Scripture tells us and declares to us that it is. In His hands. We heard St. Paul say it today in that epistle reading, which also serves as our sermon text. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law, apart from the works of our hands, indeed securely out of our hands, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known. And this righteousness from God, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who believe it, apart from the law, you see what God's done? He's taken your salvation and he's taken mine, your justification and, your, and, and mine. He's taken it out of your hands and he's taken it out of my, my hands and he's taken it into his hands. Into his hands which are able to do all things that these hands are so inadequate to do. The things that these hands could never do. And that's where your salvation rests, friends, securely it rests in His almighty hands. His hands. Christ Jesus' hands, hands that when He lived here below were perfect in service and in prayer toward God the Father because our hands have not been. His hands that here below were faultless in love toward others because our hands have not been. His perfect hands. His nail-pierced hands that were stretched out upon the cross of Calvary in place of your imperfect hands and mine. In His hands, salvation is in His hands because He so dearly wanted the all-important job of obtaining your salvation to be done and to be done right. And so this job He knew He had to do Himself. And He did. And with his hands extended on that cross, and with a dying breath, he announced a job well done. When he said, it is finished. So you know it's done. One of the hymn writers that, that we have in our hymnal, one of the hymns in our hymnal puts it so well. When it says, not what these hands have done can save this guilty soul, not what this toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole, not what I feel or do can give me peace with God, not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. That's salvation in the right hands. In His hands. And therefore with St. Paul and with Martin Luther, we too conclude that a man is justified by faith in Christ. Apart from the works of our hands. And friends, you're justified already. All of you, all of you who believe it to be true for you. 
And that's the joy. And the timeless confidence of Christ's church. For we live in the knowledge and the certainty that indeed we have been saved by God's good grace alone. Not by works, but by God's good grace alone through faith and nothing but faith alone in in the work of Christ's hands alone. That's our confidence. It's also the ageless and privileged task of His church to make that truth known. It's our glory to make it known. And so we make it known. Boldly and lovingly, we confess it to those outside the church whose hands might yet be busy in futility, trying so desperately to do what Christ Jesus has already done for them. And just as boldly and just as lovingly, we confess it to those within the church as Luther did in his day, those within the church who would profess and preach a different gospel, one that would, that would place any work of salvation into our hands and so rob of their due glory and all sufficiency those nail-pierced hands of Christ. Boldly do we confess it. And with Martin Luther we confess it regardless of whether the cause seems destined for success or bound for defeat, it makes no difference. We confess it because it's the word of God. It's the truth. And with Luther, frankly, we can do no other. And so God help us. And so whether the cause would spread with the ease of wildfire, or whether Christ sees fit to galvanize the confession of the faith in the fires of persecution, regardless, we hold to the confession. Because remember, friends, the cause is not of your hands, and ultimately the cause is not in my hands. It's in His hands. The cause is Christ's, and therefore it shall not. Indeed, it cannot fail. I leave you today with the account of the citizens of Feldkirk, Austria. The citizens of Feldkirk didn't know what to do. You see, Napoleon's massive army was preparing to attack. Soldiers had been spotted on the heights above the little town which was situated so vulnerably on the Austrian border. Council of citizens was hastily summoned to decide whether they should try to defend themselves or wave the white flag of surrender. It happened to be Sunday, and the people had gathered in the local church, and the pastor was there with them too, hearing the discussion. And at last the pastor rose and said, Friends, we've been counting on our own strength, and apparently that has failed. As this is the Lord's day, let us just ring the bells, have our services as usual, and leave the matter in His hands. We know only our weaknesses, and not the power of God to fight for us. Well, the, the council agreed, and the church bells rang. But you know, the enemy 
Hearing the sudden peal concluded that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend the town. And so before the service had even ended, the enemy broke camp and left in retreat. Friends, on this day and every day, let the church bell of our confession ring. Let the bell of our confession peal loud and clear in the face of whatever and whoever and however many might stand against us. Let it sound. And then leave the rest where the matter has always been. Leave the rest in his hands. A blessed Reformation Day to you all. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. We pray. O eternal and most merciful Father, who has chosen out of the world in all times and in all places those who, in each generation, will confess you before men, Enable your church in our day to be steadfast in the faith as she faithfully hears your word and gratefully receives your sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Today we thank you especially for your servant Martin Luther and all your faithful servants in times past through whom you recalled and reformed and restored your church so that bound by scripture alone she might be unyielding in her first confession of Jesus Christ as Lord alone. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Cause your healing power to work in our lives, to rescue us from our afflictions, to restore us unto health, to sustain us through our troubled times in faith and unto life eternal. For the sick and for the suffering, that you would grant them healing and restored health according to your goodwill. For those among us suffering chronic illnesses, especially Chris Heinz, Paul Duell, Dick and Elsie Munch, Martin Gordon Hagen, Robert, Dorothy Latham, for all undergoing medical therapy and preparing for surgery, especially Ginny Mulhern as she prepares for lung surgery this week, for all recovering from surgery, that they would be encouraged as they hope and pray for healing and for health restored, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all others among us who daily struggle with life's challenges and troubles, including the thousands who have lost homes and possessions in the wildfires in our own state, and especially the grandson of Phyllis Thompson and the son of Jack and Bobby Thomas, who are counted among the firefighters courageously confronting the fires of the South. Be, be it the victims of the fires here or of the tornadoes in the Midwest or the drought in the Southeast or natural disaster anywhere, grant them patience and endurance and confidence as they entrust their days to your goodwill and to your keeping. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who mourn, that they may be comforted for all who live alone and are lonely, that they may be encouraged by friends and family in the fellowship of the church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who this week celebrate anniversaries of birth or baptismal rebirth or marriage, especially Sean and Nancy O'Brien, upon their 33rd anniversary, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Raise up, O Lord, in your church men and women and children who so love and take to heart the truths of the Reformation, that in word and liturgy and song they may weekly join with the church throughout the ages in boldly confessing the Lord Jesus Christ before the world, 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Look mercifully, O Lord, upon our nation, so divided by the important ethical and social issues that define our troubled times. Guide our president and our Congress and courts of the land. Grant progress to our economy. Preserve our communities and state and nation. Protect our nation from terrorists who would do us harm and from all who would take our liberties from us. Protect those who protect us, especially your servant, Timothy Small, who completes his tour of duty in Iraq and prepares to return home in the weeks to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Prepare your people now to receive your son as he comes to us in his very body and his blood to forgive our sins and to strengthen our faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, O Holy Father, and sustain us by your Holy Spirit that we may treasure the great heritage of our holy faith and the works which your hands through your Son have done, and that we may pass it on faithfully from generation to generation to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I now exhort you in Christ that you give attention to the testaments of Christ in true faith, and above all, take to heart the words which Christ presents his body and blood to us for forgiveness, that you take note of and give thanks for the boundless love that he showed us when he saved us from the wrath of God, sin, death, and the hell by his blood as a guarantee and a pledge. Let us then in his name and according to his command and with his own words administer and receive the testimony. The Lord be with you. that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of love and light, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the Father. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on us children of men and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and to be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gather in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, 
We beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. And gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
O Almighty and Eternal God, who has chosen out of the world in all times and places those who have believed you, we give you thanks for those who in each generation have boldly confessed that we are saved by your grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Especially do we praise you this day for your faithful servants through whom in times past you restored, recalled, and reformed your church to its first profession and proclamation of the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Mercifully keep your church in the true knowledge and understanding of your word. Let your Holy Spirit ever dwell in us, that defended from error, we may be bold confessors of Christ in our day. Enable us to share that holy faith which we, by your grace, received from those before us, that through us the unchanging gospel of Christ may be declared and shared in this changing world. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Oh,